Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA podcast live. We are talking about Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals in 1979 between the Phoenix Suns and Seattle Supersonics, um, paying tribute to the life and career of Paul Westphal. Here with the usual as Rich and also uh, Curtis Harris, Pro Hoops History. Welcome, gentlemen. Yellow. So we've got uh, we've got our screen. We got uh, Brent Musburger yelling at us about uh, the excitement <laughs> here. It's uh, May seventeenth, nineteen seventy nine. It is eight days before I was born. So uh, fun times there. We're gonna have a whale of a basketball game. Brent tells us. So any uh, any chance this influenced the uh, date of your birth at all or? Um... I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> was it possible that the you got were you guys watching the family watching this game, getting excited, or the, I can guarantee you that my family was not watching <laughs> was not watching this game. I okay, can, fair I enough. One hundred percent guarantee you that my parents had no interest in uh, in this game. You know, so Rick Barry, the uh, fashion model there. Uh, I, I I do like you get better views of that tie later. I do like sort of like that tie. The tie sort of looks like the uh, the newer. Um, Utah Jazz uh, uniforms that are like the uh, you know yellow and red um, ones. Oh, like the gradient, so, the gradient uniforms. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so this anyway. is Desmond Sunset. Yeah, lovely tie. Yeah. So, and we got Alvin Adams back. He's he's been hurt uh, for a few games in this series. Uh, I think he missed three games um, overall. And, um, but, but he is back for game seven. Initially they thought it was going to be a longer injury. So, and he's obviously very important uh, to what they're doing. Uh, the uh, home games had won the first four games of the series. Sonics winning game one and game two, Suns game three and game four. Then the Suns won game five in Seattle and uh, game six went down to the wire. The Sonics won it by one point after Phoenix's Gar heard missed the potential game winner with one second left, of course, Scarred famously making the, uh, the shot heard around the world in the 1976 finals. And um, the Suns had, uh, and Sonics were pretty much the two best teams in the uh, West that year. Uh, the Sonics had won two more games than them. Uh, Suns were a slightly better team from SRS, but they were both, you know, close in quality. And this problem... Great lineup there with the Suns. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of talent. I mean, that, when I was going through and looking at, I mean, this is something that, that, especially that Suns team, but but yeah, also the Sonics team. I mean, not everybody at this point was, you know, Dennis Johnson was still kind of working uh, on building his career. But yeah, I mean, you look at the overall talent in this game, and it's just, it's overwhelming. And well, there's a yeah, American man doing a rain dance because yeah, there you go. So yeah, yeah. Need an investigation as to the background of that person yes. performing. <laughs> Some sort of Native American um, cultural. True, true, of course, to the insert whatever tribe uh, that they decided to appropriate for this uh, occasion. Sure. So I'm sure. Uh, I'm, I don't want to be too judgmental. You know, it might actually be a Native American. Yeah, that's true. You're right, you're right. Something legitimate. Um, wouldn't bet money on it, but you yep. never know. Oh, it's good. It's a kingdom game, which I love the lighting because it's like the lighting grid's like a thousand feet in the air. So it's like. You know, it just kind of looks like it's done in like a, a mall concourse. Uh, the game's being yeah. played. It's a little darker. There's no three-point line. This is I love the aesthetics of this game. How many teams are playing in domes at this point? Because uh, I think the Pistons are playing in the Silver Dome, and um, and the uh, 
the Jazz are definitely playing in the Superdome, although this is the last season for the Jazz. So. Right. That might be it. I can't I, think of any others. None, yeah, I, think even, I don't think the Tonics were regular. Regulars at the Kingdom. Yeah, it was. It was. It, it got weird. I, I looked into it. They're, they bounce yeah. a bunch. Yeah, they're they're real crazy. If you try to look at where they were, like, and it would it seems really because they were like sometimes they play in the Tacoma Dome, sometimes they play in the Kingdom, sometimes they play in Key Arena, sometimes they play. It's like, man, they just never ever had a spot that. You know, like, yeah, it's literally like every season. It seems like, or even like within a season. Within a season, like, yeah, different. they'd like be like, all right, today right. we're playing in the Tacoma Dome. It's like, do the fans were they able to like keep up yeah. with this? Like. <laughs> I love this bailout foul call for Sigma. Does this happen? Yeah. <laughs> or do they call it? Oh, they call it out of bounds. Okay. That's, okay. That's fair. Yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah. Mm. Yet another okay, replay. Right, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. There you go. They didn't need to replay back then. They could just, you know, they could tell it the first time. The refs were better at this point. <laughs> or thankfully, we just didn't care. And sometimes they got things wrong. And we just right. let the games, wrong, let the games not be four-hour slogs. Yeah. Where we have to watch 7,000 replays and then a fat dude sitting next to a, board, a video board looking at a, you know, his headphones on, wondering about. Like, what kills me is, like, they look into, like, you know, the, is it 38.3 seconds? Yeah. Or oh, 38.5. Yeah. <laughs> so... Like, who cares at this point? Like, unless it's, like, literally the last play of the game, I don't give a crap. But it's, like, 0.1, 0.3 difference on the clock. Ugh. What a dude! Would I would never fuck with Paul. I mean, Paul Silas looked like he would destroy. Look at that look on that dude. He's, I yeah. love it. Yeah, it's a great he was look. The, yeah. uh, he was the second oldest player in the league at this point uh, behind Gail Goodrich, and he'd had the longest tenure in the NBA since the '65 season. Wow. So yeah, yeah. he's seen some shit for sure. He has. Yeah. Yes. yeah. He looks yeah. Like, yeah. It looks like Eddie like talks man. He goes back. <laughs> he's definitely seen right. some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot he had a couple years to the Suns. He was an all-star with the Suns, in fact, um, in the early 70s. But um, I'd kind of forgotten about that stint before going to the Celtics. So. Awesome. A terrible dome aesthetics where fucking ha the bleachers are not even facing the, the court. It's like they set yeah. in another thing of bleachers. Just absolute ridiculous stuff. But, hey, you know what? You can sell 10,000 extra tickets. You got to do it. So Yeah, exactly. I don't know about that call. Got to yeah. see replay. Hey, here we go. Thank you, CBS. There you go. Yeah, CBS yeah. with the replays. I like it. Yeah. We've watched yeah, a lot of games where they never oh, show right. replays like ever. This is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Look at this young whippersnapper over here. <laughs> yeah. Adams already has two fouls. Yeah. DJ looking uh, awfully young there. Yeah, he and Lenny Wilkins haven't tried to kill each other yet. So. Not yet. No. <laughs> That we know of. Yeah. Yeah, that aged both men quite a bit, you know. Yeah, it's only about a year before the trade happens where, uh, you know, Westfall and uh, Dennis Johnson, of course, get traded for each other. Uh, that was June of 1980. So this is, of course, May 79. And should be noted, uh, uh, I'm not exactly a Dennis Johnson hater. I'm just like a. I'm a Dennis Johnson is slightly overrated. Um, a realist. So a realist, I feel need if to you bring will. Up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel the need to bring up his terrible game seven from the previous year's NBA Finals. <laughs> yeah, okay. He shot like one for 18 or something and got awful like that. Oof. I actually need to look it up now. i got to drive in the stake. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you might as well, you've already done it. You might as well. It was, it was one of 14, something like that. Um, it was really bad. Like, right. Oof. 
Uh, yeah. Oh wait, those were 0 for 14. Oh, okay. that's yeah. He yeah, didn't by by, by shot like eight, you start kind of you know you start passing the ball up a little bit. Yeah. By shot 11, like you got to be done. You got to be like, you know what, guys, I I, I don't have it tonight. So have my day. Yeah. Hey, look, they made Marvin Webster to keep him in at least. Yeah, thirty-five thousand. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, Marvin Webster, twenty-seven points, nineteen rebounds. Yeah. Wow. Game of yeah. his life. Yeah. Oh, little oh, full court well. press. Let's go. The full court yeah. trap. Oh, and then like oh, the every like yeah. at every time it's ever been done in the NBA, it's immediately broken because they're <laughs> good players. And, you know. Yeah. All right. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Track meet. Yeah. There we go. Gus Williams. I always had coaches, and they hated oh. when we played fast. And I was like, ah, man. Like, the game's not supposed to be played fast. Yes, it is. Look at this. This is, that, right. this is basketball, yeah. baby. You know, I love Gus Williams. Yes. God, the camera's shaking. It's so loud in there. Yeah. That's awesome. I, yeah. And I, and I would say, if DJ's a little overrated, Gus definitely a little underrated. You oh, know man. I mean, oh, I was like, God, they kept all the commercials in this? I didn't watch yeah. this video. Is, is that <laughs> Did they just, like... Slightly kept to keep the commercials in there, Jason, yeah. or are we expecting many? Uh, commercials? I, I, I think that was the only one. Okay, that I recall, all right, all right. You know? <laughs> it's like, oh, um, it's gonna be long. Yeah, nice, uh, nice move there from Gus. Yeah, and uh, of course, known as a wizard. Yeah, he, he did not, he was not an all star or all NBA this year, which I'm was shocked to hear because, um, you know, they had the best record in, in the uh, in the West at least, so. Um, he did have a couple all NBA appearances later, but not until 80 and 82. So, um, that kind of surprised me. I would have expected that to, um, to happen, but yeah, he was, um, you know, obviously one of the really, you know, the three key players, you know, that were, that drove this team along with, uh, Sigma and, uh, and Johnson, but yeah, it was, you know, definitely dynamic, um, guard, really good defensive guard too. And, um, for a size, really good at, at blocking shots. It seemed like. I know if, if only he had pouted his way to the Boston Celtics, he'd have <laughs> right. had, a, had a better legacy. Oh, yeah, well. he went to the Bolts instead, which is you know never a good idea. Yeah, yeah. also he did he did have that holdout year, right? Uh, so yeah, he lost the whole season. Which you know he's a man of principle. He wanted right. his money. Yeah. Oh geez, I totally forgot that Walter Davis is in this game too. Yeah. The second year for Walter Davis. And he's, um, you know, was rookie of the year and had another strong year. I think he was, um, he was all NBA again. I think his only two all NBA seasons actually um, were, he was, he was a guy who, who kind of peaked early. I mean, he was a six time all-star and, you know, was a really good player for most of the eighties. So it wasn't like he was, um, he was still really good, but he and Adams kind of famously, you know, both had really stout rookie seasons. And then, you know, most players, you know, get a lot, you know, their rookie years usually one of their worst years and they improve, but Adams and Davis pretty much kind of stayed at the same level for, you know, the rest of their career, you know, at least their prime. Probably one reason why the Suns, you know, were a really good team, but never a great team in this era. They came awfully close though. Yeah, I would say, uh, we got to put a little asterisk. Well, first off, let's appreciate this blocking. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, that is right. God, man. Uh, yeah. That whole sequence was pretty nice, actually. Um, but yeah, uh, Davis gets a little asterisk. Um, he had a little trouble with the nose candy. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's you know, okay, it's the seventies yeah. and eighties. Didn't we all? Right. I mean, I wasn't alive, yeah. but I would have right. probably. Right. <laughs> little, little issue there. Uh, <laughs> if I had the opportunity or the money, I, I probably would have as well. I mean, yeah. Now, I think the thing with Adams is that um, his statistics, I think, are deceptive because, like, his um, his first year with the Suns, like they they still had a talented team, but it wasn't as talented as it got, you know, by this season. So I think. I think it's kind of wrong to say that he peaked as a rookie. Uh, it's just that his statistics were at their best because I think he had to do more. Uh, yeah, whereas later on, you want to get like Truck Robinson and Walter Davis. It's like, okay, well, you don't need to score 16 points anymore uh, or grab like whatever. I think he had like nine rebounds a game his rookie year. So it's one of those things where like the per game stats kind of go down, but his impact, I think, is still as good or not better, if not sure. better, uh, sure. like, in years later. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Um, there's a um, a story that Paul Westfall used to tell, actually, about uh, Alvin Adams apparently eating 47 chicken wings the night before a game. And in this game, he had 47 points, 18 rebounds, 12 assists, and five blocks. So yeah, while Walter Davis might have had a cocaine issue, Alvin Adams <laughs> had a chicken wing, you know problem did he do that now consistently because like it, is that wade boggs who was the guy who would eat a, a, a bucket of chicken every single time before a game did, <laughs> did, <laughs> did alvin adams then now decide every single time to eat 47 I, wings or did he consider that a uh a, 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 you know a lucky thing then i think that was a large uh larger than usual now but he was known for eating a massive amount of food very okay. often that was something right. a part of the character so and yet he stayed so slim throughout his whole career I got Michael oh, Rodney. Little, <laughs> little Mike Bradley. Hey, yeah, the uh, last player before Michael Jordan uh, to wear 23 for the Bulls. It's amazing they even let Jordan wear it. <laughs> you know. Right. They really. Uh, I can't really believe it wasn't retired that. already. But they... Yeah. So never he, good uh, when you're brought in the game and your nickname is Little. That's, not, no. that's never a good thing. And you look little, like that guy. It's not, Brad, yeah. not good. Yeah. When you're not Tidy Archibald and you're right. Little Mike Bradley, it's not good. Yeah. yeah. The, the poor man's Teddy Archibald. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because Teddy Archibald, you're like, oh, that dude looks like he's way faster than anybody on the court. Like, that's cool right. that his name is Tiny. Yeah. Little course. Mike Bratz, he yeah. looks... Yeah, was that DJ know. who uh, got yeah. that? Was that DJ? Okay. Yeah. That was nice. Nice tipping. I love the defense in this game, man. There's just yeah. arms everywhere. Yeah. So this... Um, 79 season, probably the most balanced um, in NBA history, at least, you know, since the 50s. Um, the best team won 54 games, uh, who were the Bullets. Uh, the worst team won 26 games. Um, they were the only team to win fewer than 30 games, which is just kind of amazing to uh, to think about now. But never, uh, league, never again uh, has been, uh, you know, quite this balanced. Yeah, the 77 season, too, was uh, pretty much the same in terms of the the balance. 78 yeah. got thrown off by the Blazers, and they had right. their – Fort Walden got hurt, obviously. They, they were running away with the league's best record. But, yeah, 77 to 79, it was uh, – um, obviously doing – my work for the 76ers had to look at a lot of stuff, and since they made the finals in 77, I was, I've always looked at their standings, and I was like, huh. It's like, I think this, if I remember right, the Sixers had the best record in the league and they only had 50 wins. 
Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I think you're right. That's right. I think it was 49 or 50 wins that year. I, I think the low team had a slightly um, worse record. But yeah, I, I, yeah that whole oh, seven. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the worst team was the New York Nets. New York, still New York Nets. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they were the sucky team. They had 22 wins, and then everybody right. else was 30 and above. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the Sixers had the best record in the East with 50 wins, and then the Lakers in the West had, which everyone forgets. Yeah. It's like, oh, Kareem led them to the best record, 53 wins in the NBA. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, obviously a lot of it is, you know, the merger and the way that the ABA talent was sort of distributed throughout the league. And then I, I think the other – underrated aspect is that I think we talked about it last time is that, um, you know, 77 through 79 was balanced schedule. So every team played each other, you know, pretty much four times. Um, so in, instead of, you know, playing more, playing your conference or division teams more often. And I, I think the, you know, there's a good chance that the increase in travel also led to, you know, um, sort of a, you know, obviously the better teams are more likely to um, lose on the road in, in those instances, I think just because, you know, the getting worn down from the travel, obviously the lifestyle drugs, all that kind of stuff probably had a played a factor as well. Yeah. It makes the, it's, and, and we've talked about, it, obviously we are basketball mysteries of the, you know, the seventies uh, series that we did many years ago, but it, may, it to me makes it one of the more fascinating NBA decades uh, ever because and I think another part of it too I mean yeah you had Kareem and you had that sort of stuff it did seem like the star you know it wasn't maybe there wasn't like your, your top top for the line stars but there were a lot of like really really good players across the league and that that will always help you and that will always make it pretty fun and I think that's why I just love this decade so much it's like so many decades feel like they're just dominated by one or two teams or you know one team wins the first part of the decade the next team wins the second part whereas the 70s man it feels like every few years there's like whole new teams in there and whole new and it makes a lot of fun it just makes you know like 1972 to 1979 it feels like completely different eras uh in the nba in a lot of ways they are which is is one of the fun parts about it yeah well look at rich mr i love parody I do. I love yeah. parody. I, I, yeah. Not not too much though. People always say they like parody, which is always funny. Is like you know, oh. fans bitch and moan about like, oh, we can't wait for parody. And then like anytime the NBA has like a slight amount of parody, the ratings just absolutely tank because it's like no, people want like big dominant teams that everybody love that everybody loves to loves or loves to hate, and everybody wants to watch their team beat the big team or whatever. But everybody always says, oh, I wish there was more parody. <laughs> like so. So I'll say that I, I, I really do love the 70s for all the reasons you mentioned. Uh, and I also love the 80s, too. Uh, and re really through, like, the mid-90s. Uh, but I, what I liked about the 80s was that it was, like, you would go into every season knowing that, like, you know, there were basically, like, four teams that were the title contenders. But you didn't know which one of those four was going to be the one to actually win the title. Right, right, which the, is the ideal thing you, you yeah. really want more than anything is is, is... – so it's like, you know, so he's like, you know, like, well, I, you figured, you know, the Lakers or the Celtics or the Sixers were going to be the teams in the uh, in the finals, but you don't know which of those three are going to make it or are going to win it. And, you know, he still had a, a couple of years every now and then where one of them would get upset. So and, he, it, and you, you weren't certain, basically, that they were going to make the finals, whereas like the last five years. Jesus was like, what, four years in a row when he had like the Cavaliers and Warriors playing yeah. each other? Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, like yeah. boring as hell. It's like. And this just wasn't really any doubt to it, except that one year. Um, 
Well, hell, I really didn't believe in the Rockets. But um <laughs> don't get me started. I should stay away from James Harden. But yeah, the, but then the one season uh where the Thunder were up on the Warriors, uh yeah, of course yeah. the Warriors fall to the Cavaliers. Um uh, like that was the one year I think where it was kind of exciting, but after that, ugh, boredom. <laughs> Google, show me nineteen seventy nine. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh man no tell me yeah. <laughs> tell me that's still on the video tell me yeah. they did not cut that off in the video yeah. they, the halftime show is a conversation with the trainer of the phoenix yeah. Suns, who looks like yeah. he deals steroids out of his right. his v-dub yeah. bus yeah. Uh, like, hot rod you wouldn't believe how much cocaine i gotta sweep up right here. there we go our herds uh, rocking the headband. I love it's, it. Uh, I was about to say, what, what, I mean, we, we had already had the Slick Watts headband, I think, right? He, he would, yeah, earlier in he the 70s. So, yeah, he, he and Wilt were the only guys that, you know, that I know of that had kind of worn them, you know, up to this point. So, I can't think of, yeah, I'm trying to think of other guys at this point. I mean, there's, yeah, there, head. I can't, yeah, I mean, I can't. I, I, I don't think anyone really wore it much until Cliff Robert, yeah, right, Cliff right, Robinson, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe maybe here and there, but yeah, it wasn't definitely wasn't a regular thing. And Will Chamberlain had that funny headband. Yeah, like, his right. was weird. It was, yeah, it was taken the front, yeah. but there was like like a little thin <laughs> band in the back. Yeah, there's been a, a lot of shots that have hit the top of the backboard in this game. Yeah. I don't know why, but um, you're right. Yeah. Maybe it's you know the the kingdom, you know, so the ceiling's so high it throws off the scale. <laughs> maybe, you, you, yeah, you I, I, so. While we were talking, yeah. I did look it up. They played. I think they played this entire year in the Kingdom. Okay. Um, this is the first time that they ever played the entire year there, or at least it was the, maybe the year prior or this year. I forget exactly which one, but one of these years, yeah, it was the first time they ever. I, well, yeah, I recall correctly in '78 they they didn't play their in the entire year, but they played the playoffs there, and there was a reason why. You know, the, the, there was arena issues or something. I, I forget. Oh, yeah. A lot of it was the the. Uh, I think the Mariners were like the official, you know, tenants of the place. And they were like, oh, well, yeah. no, we get, you know, we get first dibs. And sure. I mean, I don't know why nobody was going to go watch the fucking Mariners. They probably could have just canceled the game. And nobody would have cared really. But um, yeah, I think they had first rights. And, and I think, uh, but this year, I guess because the Supersonics were so good or whatever, they just assumed, hey, we're going to get more people to go watch Supersonics games than Mariners games. They just said, suck it up, Mariners, and and deal with it. So I, I wonder then where the Mariners went. They probably just played at some college stadium or something like that, probably. Yeah. Wait, you mean Mariners like the, the baseball team? Yeah, yeah. Why don't they have the rights to the kingdom? I forget why. I, I have no it's idea like, why. They had some right of first refusal thing. I'll try. Let me see if I can look it up again. I remember looking this up not that long ago because this is what I do like at night. I just like think about stuff and then I end up on Wikipedia. And, like, yeah. I just read. I'm like, I should go to bed. And I'm up till 1 a.m. finding out about like, you know, the tenant rights for the, kid, the Seattle kingdom. So. Well, I know the, um, I looked this up for my dissertation. Um, because I get into, like, the NBA being hilariously bad at booking their stadiums for playoff games. And, um, to say I looked into the Sonics in 78, and it, I, it think, I think it was a home expo that had the Kingdom, or that had the, um, the, uh, the arena book. The RV thing? Yeah. Yeah. They called it a home expo, but yeah, I think it was, like, basically, it included RVs. And so, like, right. the Sonics were like, whoops, um, yeah. We can't use that gate. We can't use that place for like two weeks. <laughs> right. Oh. Well, it was a surprise that they it made me, you know, surprise that they were any good, much less you know, championship team, of course, in seventy. Well, that was the thing. Yeah, that, that's what I was writing about. I was like, you know, these owners were always talking about like, 
well, you know, you know, we're a big league operation and, you know, like right. we're, we're first class and this and that. And like, right. there's an example from like Cincinnati back in the early sixties where Jack Twyman was complaining. He's like, the, the, the front office didn't believe in us. He was like, they didn't, they didn't have the arena saved for the playoffs. Right. And they had to play a lot. I think they had to play at uh, Xavier university. Yeah. Their playoff games. It's like, He's like, where's the faith in the management into us being a good team? So he's yeah. I remember there being a story from around that area for Cincinnati where they had to like like there had been like a state fair or a county fair or something there, and there was still like manure or something like <laughs> you know, like you know they had to you know or straw or something you know the remnants of it that hadn't been like fully cleaned up or you know, something along those lines. So uh, yeah. beautiful Cincinnati gardens. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Westfall's or uh, Westfall's been fairly quiet so far. I yeah, think it's he not heats up lot. later. But, um, so as as point yeah, out, yeah, I honor his legacy by having him get his his ass kicked. By, Team by Paul Silas doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we just well, watch Game well, Six good. of the '93 Finals while we're at it? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Uh, so all I could find is that, yeah, the, the Mariners were the primary tenant of the Kingdom, uh, and they had right of first refusal on games, and they decided they did not want the Sonics to play there in the spring. So, um, Okay, well, I, I never knew they... Like you said, it was yeah. probably just like the NBA was just like, well, we don't really have a leg to stand on, so okay, that's fine. We'll just go play at the University of Washington then. Thank you. Like, which is just so ridiculous given, you know, obviously where the NBA is today, but yeah. It... Westfall made that one, so... So a few Westfall things to uh, talk about um, while we're here. Of course, he started his career on the Celtics, you know, more of a role player. He did help them win the uh, 74 title, then was uh, traded the Suns in 76 for Charlie Scott, immediately became a star, let them do a surprise uh, NBA Finals appearance in 1976, was um, four um, times All-NBA, three times on the first team from 77-1980 and was a five-time All-Star. Uh, the previous season, 78, he had won the NBA horse tournament, uh, beating Rick Barry, who had replaced and injured Pete Maravich in the uh, finals. And of course was inducted into the, uh, basketball hall of fame in, uh, 2019. Uh, just, uh, here we go. Thankfully, of course, you know, was done, uh, you know, was done while he was still alive. So, um, but yeah, had a you know great career was, you know, a, a really elite, um, shooting guard. I mean, if you look at guys, you know, guards who were three times All NBA. You know, you're looking at like guys uh, who are three times in the first team. You know, he's in. You know, Isaiah Thomas, um, Allen Iverson, even Steph Curry are, are guys who you know kind of fit in that class. So, I think he's maybe not quite at that level. You know, not necessarily Steph Curry, but he was um, you know definitely one of the better um, guards of his era. Yeah, he gets hurt. Um... Legacy wise, having sat on the bench with the Celtics for what was it three years and then yeah, three or four, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he, when he's you know, then when he's at the at the height of his career, he breaks his foot. So I was like, all right, well, that's that sucks. So that's that was two years basically lost because of that foot injury, right? And he was never quite the same. He was okay after the foot injury, but definitely you know wasn't quite the same. He did have a he had a short run on the Knicks. I uh, actually won the '83 Comeback Player of the Year. Uh, and then I, I'd forgotten this, but he actually came back to the Suns and was part of, you know, they, they were only 41 to 41, but they, you know, kind of made a Cinderella 
run to the uh, Western Conference Finals. It kind of echoes, you know, their run that they had in 76 with, you know, a couple of the uh, key guys, you know, Adams still being there as well. So that was, that was kind of a nifty uh, bookend to his career. And surprise, surprise, a lefty shot from Paul Westfall. Yeah. <laughs> the man was ambidextrous. Yeah. Let's see it one more time from the exact same angle. <laughs> No, uh, Rick Berry wants to point out that uh, Wally Walker's out of position. That he he, he would not have done that. Yeah, that I would have done this. Wow, Rick Berry nitpicking. Yeah, he he made them go to do the replay again. So I. Oh, um, oh, oh! You want to put? Here's some other Rick Berry needling. All right. Found a hilarious ass story. My dissertation research, like, uh, I think it was 19. Yeah, 67. The uh, the Players Association was threatening to strike the playoffs. Unless they got uh, you know, the, the the same old rundown, they wanted a better pension. Right. It's the like, and uh, there are also rumors that Oscar Robertson uh, might leave for the ABA since the ABA uh, they had just started. They hadn't played the season yet. They like just started that spring, so they were getting operations up. And Rick Barry apparently had a radio program, and like he chastised Oscar Robertson for putting himself above you know the needs of the league and the other players and all that, and like now he's gonna leave us high and dry going to the ABA. And of course, who goes to the ABA after the 1967 <laughs> well, I was like, you little SOB. Gotta You're out here trying to hate Oscar out to dry. Yeah. I was like looking out for himself and then you go jump to the ABA like six months later. Well, you know, if Oscar's father-in-law had been a GM, maybe it would have been a different story. You know? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. And then of course, you know, Oscar, you know, he stays with the NBA through like, you know, 1974. Right. It on the on the lawsuit through '76, uh, fighting for the players. It's like Rick Barry, always looking out for himself. Yeah, which and if he was smart enough, he would realize that you know by good players going to this new league, that he'll probably make more money in the NBA, and everybody will make more money. But whatever, I'm not, right? I'm yeah, not to explain it yeah. to Rick Barry. I'm sure Rick Barry understands it as he was the man who did that and helped that happen. Except for you know he did it first. And it's uh, do you guys want to oh. hate life uh, a, a little bit more? Mm. Uh, do, you know, do you know the current name of the uh, the what used to be the Key Arena, what also was the Seattle Center Coliseum? I don't even want to know because you're right; it is going to ruin my life. <laughs> it's gonna I just really... want to call it the Key Arena, just like I call it the Rose Garden. Yeah, well, go, keep calling it the Key Arena because uh, June 2020, Amazon bought the rights to the oh. arena, but because they were a very responsible corporation, guys. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Uh, they decided not to name it the Amazon Arena or anything like that. It is the Climate Pledge Arena to bring oh, attention no. to climate change. So, oh, man. so now you guys are aware climate change exists. Thank you, Amazon.com. And wait, there's a truck waiting outside my house right now. Let me go All right. get my package from this truck. Oh, there's another one across from that truck, too. Okay, cool. Let me just All right. So, anyways, it is still <laughs> Sorry. the arena. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm actually not even gonna call it the Key Arena now. I'm gonna call it the Seattle, Seattle Center Coliseum forever. Right. Ackerley, Ackerley Arena. That's what I'm calling it. So. Wally Walker Arena. That's what yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> Wally Walker. Have you guys ever actually? Have you ever been to Seattle or the, the area around the Key Arena? I I've went there been. when I was twelve. It's like I remember walking by and I'm like, where the hell's the Key Arena? And some guy's like right there, and I was like, oh. <laughs> Because it's not tall. It's the size of like a, you know, because it's, it's, and if you ever watched a game there, you could see like the windows from it. It's built like underground, basically, or like low. Yeah. You walk by and it's like, yeah, it's like only slightly taller than like a dentist's office. You're like, oh, that's a key arena. Okay, cool. That's kind of yeah. like, uh, that's kind of like the summit and also um, reunion arena in mm-hmm. Dallas. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
those were yeah. also kind of sunken arenas, I guess you call it that. Phillips uh, Arena is kind of the same way too. Yeah, because I'm used to like arenas being these giant monoliths that are just, and this thing's just like it's just like a normal building, and it's in an area where they have like a bunch of other stuff and other buildings, and, and yeah, it's completely innocuous, and it's like right next to the Space Needle, so nobody cares about the key arena. You're looking at the Space Needle, so. Well, I think the bottom line here is that uh, we've done a terrible job as a country in naming our arenas <laughs> over the last uh, 25, 30 years. Yeah, it's, you know, perhaps uh, among other things that we've become terrible at in the last 25, 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, Phoenix plays in the Talking Stick Resort Arena, and I uh, I, I think that's oh, fantastic. So. <laughs> it's no Smoothie King Center, but uh, it's not bad. So. Right. It's like I know it was named after an, like, after an airline, but I did like the name America West Arena because it it, it it kind of fit. It Phoenix. feels like it's yeah, 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 sure, yeah, sure. It, it sounded like a like a name that that could plausibly been thought of uh, by a civic committee and not some corporation. But. I do love Rick Barry after all of his interviews giving the uh, the politician handshakes. Everybody, we need more, we need more. Ha- oh, maybe not in the COVID era. Maybe maybe in a few oh. years we can do the uh, interviewer gives like a nice hearty handshake to their yeah. <laughs> interviewee. Yeah, Chamber of Commerce. Uh, speech. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Key, like Keys yeah. to the City. Nuke the uh, Suns. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh yes. so strong. But hey. Climate Change yeah, Arena, guys. Come on. Right. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Come a long way. <laughs> wow, Paul Westfall had 15 points. Yeah, see? Or was it Westfall or was it Sigma? I'm, I'm confused about <laughs> it. was well, a terrible Maybe it was both of them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that was I, halftime. Oh, we didn't even get to talk with the f- personal trainer. Come on. Yeah, no. no. Damn it. Yeah, I, I, I believe the game's edited. I think we've yeah, no, I'm sure. It's, it's no, on the game is classic. So yeah, it quite yeah. clearly edited. But, yeah, yeah. Like, we have missed some some chunks. Yeah. Apparently, all of Westfall's points we missed. So, <laughs> other than that one lefty shot that he took. That's yeah, all, that's all I remember. But. Well, our, perhaps our focus hasn't quite been worth with that, but that's okay. You know. I don't know. I don't, doesn't seem like Westfall is really, you know, putting up a great performance here. Well, it's yeah, too it's much a, within the team system. Needs to break yeah, out. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's it's, uh, John McLeod for you. What he wants everyone to play together. He doesn't want a you know, strong individual. McLeod was kind of known for being like a really regimented coach, if I recall correctly. Is it, uh, anyone recall that? Uh, I have not looked into his coaching strategies. Like he, I, I feel like he was. Um, I feel like that may have been, you know, a theme of or mentioned in breaks of the game or, you know, another one of the uh, books about the uh, NBA in the seventies that McLeod was very much like, you know, had, had a strong structure, really wanted to put his stamp on, um, on the team rather than let them, you know, kind of freelance and free flow. Uh, we got a question in the chat room if you guys want to, Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead, Curtis. Then I'll oh, ask, no, I'm I'll saying like, I don't know if you got like Paul Westfall and, Alvin Adams and Walter Davis, you'd, I think it'd be okay to let them freelance a little bit. I would think so as well. Yeah. What was the question? Uh, so the question in the chat room uh, was, uh, is Westfall's biggest legacy playing or coaching? So uh, I'll start with Curtis. Um, it seems like, like just completely overall, uh, like all of basketball seems to be coaching. Mm-hmm. But in the NBA, it would be playing, I would think. Because like he coached at um at Pepperdine, and also in college as yeah, well. Yeah, Grand Canyon. I know oh. he did Grand uh, NAIA in Grand Canyon. Yes. Yeah, so I, so they like the coaching, you know, including the NBA and his college coaching. I think probably outweighs 
uh, all of his playing stuff. But like, if you're just relegating it to the NBA, I think the playing slightly outweighs his NBA coaching. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I mean, you know, he had a fine coaching career, but doesn't really stand out in that degree, at least not in the NBA. But obviously he was, you know, a, a standout um, you know, player, you know, uh, one of the better guards. Uh, you know, certainly like, like like 75 and 80, you know, outside of Gervin, you know, he might have been the you know second best guard of um, of that time frame. So, hey, you know what I got to say? He was better than George Gervin. Oh yeah, you think so? Yeah, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, so I already besmirched Dennis Johnson. Okay. Uh, I'm also on the train of George Gervin. <laughs> All right. Not, not, clearly not saying that he's bad. I mean, he's very sure. awesome, but yeah. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, Westfall was a much better defensive player. I mean, so yeah. there you go. Yeah. Um, also, got to set up teammates. Yeah, that's true. Um, although, I mean. Um, I feel like Westfall and Gervin, there's a lot of parallels in terms of you know, kind of their arcs in the 70s and early 80s. And they were part of, you know, consistently good teams for quite a few years that, um, you know, obviously fell short of being in the finals and, and aren't super well remembered, but were, you know, but, you know, gave uh, the eventual champions, you know, some tough fights. You know, obviously the the Spurs, you know, this year they, they in fact, um, we have to find play. those puppets, by the way. Someone has those puppets still. We need to have, have. yeah. I, I'm sorry, Jason. My attention got, yeah. Right. I don't know what the hell you're talking about, no, but we need yeah, to find I'll... those puppets. They're on eBay somewhere. Someone still owns them. That woman has them in her closet or basement. Or we need to find those immediately. All right. And if anybody um... wants to tell us, absolutely. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, um, yeah, the, the next game would be a game. It's tomorrow in in the time of this time was going to be game seven of the uh, bullets uh, Spurs series in which, you know, was, was going to a game seven, the Spurs still in the Eastern conference at that point. Um, so yeah, that was probably Gervin's best chance at um, making a finals and possibly winning a championship. And, you know, they would, they would blow it as well. So a uh, couple of uh, rough days for uh, Westfall and, uh, and Gervin. I think well, a lot of the, uh, you know, whether Westfall is more remembered as uh you know, a player or, or a coach. I think a lot of it is like when you really became an NBA fan and, and, and you know, different times and, and that sort of stuff. Because like to me, I, I almost always knew him as a coach for years and years right. and years and years because obviously coached in, in one of the more famous NBA finals of all time and, and you know, famous story of, you know, getting the Suns and immediately in his first year, he's in the finals and he's, you know, taking the Bulls to six games and Barkley's the MVP and the Suns are great and all that sort of stuff. So I, I could definitely see how a lot of people would. Like now that I've, you know, become more accustomed to, you know, NBA history, watch more games, watch more, you know, study more stuff, read more stuff. It's like clear to me that it's player, but I, I totally get how like, you know, quote unquote children of the 90s would, would almost – completely forget i mean or wouldn't even care what he did is playing and always remember him as oh yeah he's the coach of the you know 93 sons or whatever even though like you guys said like the rest of his coaching 10 years is pretty much kind of not i mean two more semifinals there and then i think he I forget if he made the playoffs again because i know he went back to he, he would he would coach in seattle and then i think it was sacramento too and i know for a fact he didn't win to go to the oh, playoffs yeah, no, with sacramento well, unless <laughs> just, you're rick adam you don't make the playoffs. yeah yeah time. that's uh man what a franchise that is I, I was actually jason i was gonna let you know that we should probably do a an episode sometime soon on just the, the Kings. It's just like, what are the Kings and why are they the Kings? Like, you know, it's because like this year, they're like, you know, four games in the year and Marvin Bagley's like, this sucks. I want to get traded. I'm like, oh my God. Like, can the Kings just ever just not be a train wreck? Like there was three years where they were not a train wreck. And then other than that, they right. were a train wreck. It's like, 
Well, they're, they're going to tie the record for, um, well, assuming they miss the playoffs, they're going to tie the record for playoff utility, yeah. I think. Number seasons, yeah, so. Might be a good time um, to do a series, The Kings. <laughs> why, the King. why are they The Kings? <laughs> why do they still exist? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to get nobody mad. If if anyone's a Kings fan, uh, watching now or later, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take the big deal. So it's not just the Kings, but like the NBA expends a lot of energy trying to save certain franchises that um, leave you wondering why. It's like you put a lot of effort to save certain franchises, and then you put a lot of effort in to get rid of others, like. Let's try with all our might to save the Kings and the Pelicans. Let's let the Sonics move. That just decisions that baffle the mind. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, those 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 are the two teams that always kind of perplex me. Is yeah, the, the effort in the Pelicans, Hornets, trying yeah. to keep them alive and afloat, and then yeah, the Kings. It's, yeah, it's just like I'm not saying let the Pelicans die, but it's like why do you put all the effort in trying to save the Sonics? It's just, uh... Well, Davis turns ego probably. Yeah, uh, they didn't. They didn't play probably... ball, so he. Took his right. ball and went home. So, yeah. um, but now they can go to the, 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 the. They're talking about expansion, and the, the new Seattle team can play in the climate change arena or whatever the hell it was. Oh, called, so. thank God! Yeah, and we could all be more aware of climate change thanks to right. Amazon.com. So, well, <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll have they'll have climate change, you know, as a slogan on the uh, on the floor, so we can all be reminded of climate change every time. I'll also be reminded when it's fucking 110 degrees outside. Watch <laughs> right. that too. Oh. Well, a great quote from John <laughs> yeah, Really, really. <laughs> yes, it could matters, but then it also doesn't matter. Okay, thanks. Thanks, John. <laughs> Appreciate it. I like how the crowd is in capitals. Like, <laughs> the crowd. Yeah, it's like like a, a Stephen King fucking book here. <laughs> Stephen King's The Crowd. <laughs> Uh, so, so one player um, that I've been secretly keeping an eye on this game is Lonnie Shelton. Yes, uh, he he's had some uh, some some good rebounds and a couple of great defensive plays too. Yeah, he was the uh, the key addition to the '79 team that wasn't on the '78 team. They lost Marvin Webster in free agency and got Lonnie Shelton in uh, as a compensation. Uh, and yeah, I'm sorry that that angle on this dude. Like I don't even see his best crush. <laughs> I, I, I think that's Dan Schulman, the uh, owner of the uh, of the Sonics. I'm pretty oh. sure. Yeah. Well, so I'm sorry, uh, but yes, yeah, more about Shelton and but Webster the the. Yeah, that, that's crazy how they did that. Uh, you had to get compensation whenever you signed a free agent. Right. That was stupid. Yeah, that didn't fully end for another about 10 years or so, 88, yeah, I think. No, it yeah. didn't. You're right. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was you know, part of the reason, you know, why, you know, obviously Gus Williams held out, you know, because that was the only, you know, players had very, very little, little leverage to – you know, I mean, they could leave in free agency at this point, but you know, they had, uh, you know, they play out their option year, and there was still compensation, and that, you know, that led to. Um, lots there of goes Shelton. Speaking yeah, of, yeah, I was gonna say yeah. on cue, here he is, yeah. blocking Alvin Adams' shit right back. Yeah. Though I yeah. think it was goaltending, but well, you know what? Hey, an <laughs> impressive it's all about the fear. It's all about the fear. Yeah. Alvin Adams is going to think about that next time forceful. he goes to the lane. So exactly, forceful goaltending. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a few so, goaltends here and there aren't bad. Ben Wallace always was good at getting a few goaltends early in the game. Yeah. Just let you know, I'm right. here. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Okay, this oh, guy is not an NBA player. Who the hell is this guy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Joe Kramer. So Joe Kramer, um, I've got a few Joe Kramer friends. Well, not that much, but he played five seasons with the Suns, um, averaged uh, three point eight points per game, yeah. two point eight rebounds per game, um, and thirteen minutes per game in his career. Uh, he was credited actually with helping slow down Jack Sigma while um, Alvin Adams was hurt, you know, during this series. Like uh, in games three and five, Sigma shot like twenty nine percent or so. Like he went into a big slump. Um, he played a lot better in game six, but um, Kramer was, you know, just kind of a tough minded defender. Didn't do much else, obviously, but you know, was kind of credited for, uh, you know, uh, helping out at least in that respect, bringing this back in the series. So. I guess I'll let him slide. So. All right. I believe he is also in the Jewish uh, Sports uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, Alvin oh, Kramer he's is. Jewish? Well, he is indeed. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Wow. Sorry, that was me being really sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I, I wasn't, I thought you were, but I wasn't sure. And I was like, well, right. his name's Kramer. Right. <laughs> like, I think. He just says that, you know. Yeah. That's all right. Oh man! Back when the NBA was the NBA, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Go. Ooh, that was a shot. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. Is that Paul Silas? Yeah, it was. I think it was. Old yeah. man Paul Silas. Yeah. Sure. He shot that left-handed. Yeah, like, he did. Yeah. Like twisting too. That was a tough shot. Yeah. Oh, we got some. Yes, <laughs> I love that. Is there. yes. Yeah. We need more still shots of angry you know, coaches. They're they're very focused on the coaches in the TV presentation. It's always like a a lot of it is like framed as what the coaches are thinking or what it is through the coach's point of view. Like, I mean, obviously they're talking about the players, but it doesn't feel like they're telling the story as much through the players. If that makes sense. Yeah. That does. It's somewhat defensible because Lenny Wilkins was fairly famous by, you know, whatever popular standards the NBA had back then, but like right. John McLeod, yeah. and, I mean, he's and, been a successful coach, but right. And, and, Wilkins in terms of cachet. Yeah. And, and these were not teams with huge stars. I, mean, you know, the, I was going to say, that's probably, it, it, you know, you look right. at marketable stars, you look, at, especially at this era of the NBA too. Yeah. Maybe they thought it was safer just to advertise the coaches, you know, than it was to, to yeah. you know, advertise the players, and then yeah, like you know, who, what one player do you kind of pick? Or, or, or the, I, if I remember correctly, too, this was during the time of like the, at least in, in uh, I know for a fact in in, in baseball, and I, I think in the NFL at this time too, was like your superstar head coaches. You know, your Billy Martins in baseball was like the big story is Billy Martin. You know, look at what he's doing. He's so wild. He's so crazy. And you know, John Madden and those sort of guys. So I, maybe they were trying to capitalize on that too. I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they felt like they could sell it on the personality of the coaches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean that does work sometimes. Uh, you know, if, if you if you have a you know a coaching star, it's not John McLeod. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. Not necessarily John McLeod. He's trying with that suit, but it's not quite working. He he was always well dressed. I'll give him that. Yeah, right. Also very shaggy. So the shaggy sort of undercuts the well dressed a little bit, but you know it was the seventies. Obviously, everyone shaggy. Also, uh, with that last possession, uh, I would like to point out that my man Don Boosie almost had a fantastic yeah. steal. The ball just yeah. bounced the wrong way after he got his hand on it. But that man can play those passing lanes. Don't get yeah. lazy around Boosie. Uh, Don Boosie led the uh, league in assists and steals twice. Um, did it in, in one time in each league. Also, six times all defensive first team. Um, I know so. that he gets underrated. 
Not even yeah. underrated, just forgotten. People don't even rate him. The hell am I talking right. about? Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, man, one of the best defensive guards. And actually, um, I think he has the record, if he includes the ABA, the record for most steals in the season. I can't remember if he bested Alvin Robertson's number. I don't remember like that, but I had. Now, his last year in the ABA, uh, 76, I think he, he had over four steals a game, I think, which is. Yeah. He, started, well, look it up. he started his career with the uh, Pacers, had spent five seasons there, won the 73 ABA title, or was part of that team that won the title, more of a role player there. Uh, was acquired by the Suns for Ricky Sobers before the 78 season. Uh, spent three years in Phoenix, and then he went back to the Pacers. And he and Billy Knight and George McGinnis all at the same time were on their second stint with the uh, Suns in the uh, 81 season. So I found that to be uh, interesting. You don't get that very often. Yeah, the Pacers like to recycle. Yeah. Bring yeah, back be, the old favorites. Right, yeah. They were uh, definitely, yeah. yeah. Uh, Nets did that a little bit too. Um, a couple of the teams, but yeah, they definitely uh, – we're doing that. And also, he um, played for Portland uh, where he was Ooh. traded for cash and the consultation services of Trailblazers Vice President John Spolstra, who is uh, Eric Spolstra's dad. So I do not know exactly what sort of consultation services the Pacers got in that exchange. Yeah, isn't that a conflict of interest? Like, I, did he I, consult I, them on, like, you know, like bathroom renovations? Like, you can't consult I, them on basketball things, can he? Like. I, I mean, things were not going well for the Pacers at that point. I think that was kind of the point where, like, the Pacers, like, you know, thought they might sell the team were, you know, in uh, – Yeah, they had, they had that telephone. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, the Pacers. That's never good. That's yeah. never good when you're a professional sports franchise. Yeah, I think – It's a telephone, you know, yeah. I, because I think, you know, like, 82 or so, they were um, – they were looking to be, maybe be sold to, like, a Sacramento group. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> Great. And then um, – Got to get a team in Sacramento. Simon's bought them, you know, and then uh, yeah. All right, so I looked up uh, Boosie steals. Uh, in '76, he averaged 4.1 steals per game, which is definitely more than Robertson. Robertson had, I think, 3.7 steals per game in 1986. So uh, didn't just break the record; he shattered and uh, he he has a stranglehold. No one's getting yeah. four steals a game. The Elmore Smith of uh, of steals. Yes, the Elmore Smith of steals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so was Spolstra, So, was he still vice president then of the team while also consulting for another team? Like that, this, this boggles my mind. I, I think so. Yes. Like you can't do that, <laughs> can you? Um, I mean, I'm sure the I'm sure the NBA allowed it. Right. I mean, you got to keep that team in. He's yet. like, yeah, here's you what you gotta... should do. You should trade uh, this guy to Portland. <laughs> this so, guy stinks. Right. Like... <laughs> so, Don Spolstra, um, a, a few things. He uh, he was a judge at the Miss America 2004 contest. Okay. Um, he began his career with the Braves, uh, was hired as the vice president of marketing. In fact, was assigned with uh, trying to prevent a relocation of the Braves, which, of course, didn't really work out. Uh, spent 10 years with the um, Blazers and then was hired as president and GM of the Nuggets uh, in 89, but was fired after 90 days to do a dispute with management. Oh, okay. um, then uh, was team president of the Nets and um, his most famous marketing campaign came in 1994 when he sent rubber chickens through direct mail with the tagline, don't foul out. 
to uh, net season t- ticket holders who had not yet renewed their tickets. So uh, he wrote a uh, book called Ice to the Eskimos, How to Market a Product Nobody Wants. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess then he was probably good for the consulting of the early 80s Pacers. Yeah, I, so, yeah, it, it's probably the consulting wasn't like personnel decisions. It, it probably was just it was marketing. Part of marketing, which I think, yeah. But then why did the Nuggets make like, him the GM? Like, what are we doing? Like, that, But that used to happen in those days. They're like, ah, this I mean, guy's got a good head on him. So there's, here you go, the, kid. Like, the Nuggets were not a well-run team. No, so, they were not. Um, so they would have a marketing yeah. guy be their general manager. Hey, who can we get to get some sell some tickets? Like, yeah. Right. Well, while y'all are talking about ice and Eskimos, um, yeah. we just missed Gus <laughs> Williams make this twirling, beautiful layup. So, yeah, um, just, we, just we apologize to Gus. Oh, the, the 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 spin he put on the ball, like it was, yeah. like he adjusted in midair and like it was kind of like a finger roll, but it was like a more of a twirl with his fingers. Like that's what they called the wizard. Love yeah. Oh, look at that! Oh, yeah. the tip in. Oh, Gus. Underrated. Yeah. I bet you that shot's going in. There we go, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't missing. Oh, oh, hey, oh. I didn't know there was a fight. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Gar ready to go. I would yeah. not mess with Paul Silas. I think that's who he's messing with. And yeah. I would not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He got Paul Silas riled yeah, Paul up. Will... Yeah. Oh, I mean, you up, I mean, dude. I mean Gar, Gar's pretty tough too, but yeah, he's yeah. Got, uh, yeah, about Paul, to say, like, like Gar, he'll put up a fight, but he ain't winning. No, nah, Paul's got that old man thing too. You yeah. know what I mean? Where he's like, yeah. you know, you're like your uncle, who's just like the strongest man you've ever met in your life. Yeah. Oh, there, yeah. There. Yeah. Oh no, he'd kill him. No. Yeah, like, see, the only thing Gar has got on his side is that uh, he's a little more agile. But once <laughs> Silas gets squared up, yeah, oh, yeah. Over. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, classic offset. I love that. Classic. Yeah. All right, offset. Get back out there. <laughs> like, yeah. No I replays. We're going to stare and look at the replays right. 400 times. Yeah, just, yeah like 15 seconds, we're all back ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> just don't do it again, you guys. All okay. right. Good days. Aaron, I was a nice little uh, jumper from sick. I feel like he's um, been kind of cold most of the uh, most of the game. Although, I, I looks like he has 33 points in this game. So, I guess uh, – we're just missing all the highlights while we're talking about Eskimos. And also, the correct term is Inuit. Oh, I, my apologies. No, 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 but the no. Name of the book was that, that silly, <laughs> yeah, whatever that did. Uh, how to sell ice to Eskimos nonsense. Right. Yeah. Sounds like a tool bag. Yeah, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> like he just sounds like really annoying, like '90s marketing guy. You know. Yeah. Kind of like uh, who was the uh, the Sixers? Uh, Pat, uh, Pat Pat Croce. Pat Croce, yeah. yeah. Oh my God, he was. Yeah. <laughs> Very lively interviews on NBC back in the yeah. day. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have a game. Sold high too. That's always the thing I always remember about the guy. He was like, "Yeah, Sixers, Sixers, awesome. Yeah, they're great." And Iverson, he was like, "Boom, I'm out. Bye. Sold. Yeah. It's just like gone." <laughs> like, yep. Wasn't he? He was actually having like business issues too. I think if I remember correctly. But... Yeah. Sure made a cool dime on the on the Sixers sales. So. Sure. Good for him. <laughs> Good for this incredibly rich man to become more rich. So. Right. It's it's great. It's, it's wonderful. It's it's a success story. Oh, there we go. All right. Let's yeah. see. So Seattle's up by ten. <laughs> 
Yeah. Who's this running point for Phoenix? I'm trying to figure that out too. No, no, no. It, uh, um, Ted McLean. He was in the team. He plays a little in this game. Um, I think it might be. It might have been Ted McLean. I've never seen him before, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I bet he stayed in the league like two seasons. Uh, he, he played a long time in the ABA. Ted McLean did. Um, ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, he. Uh, of course, he was an ABA All Star. <laughs> I I didn't realize he was an All Star in the ABA, but yeah, he was. Uh, he played for a lot of teams. I think he um, has the single game record for steals. Um, well, yeah, Basketball Reference shows him leading the ABA in steals the yeah. year he was an All-Star in 74. Uh, yeah. Apparently his nickname was Hound Dog. Right. Yeah, he actually was in the uh, the previous game we watched. Uh, the, he was in the Braves. Um, didn't play very much. Obviously, we didn't, we didn't talk much about him, but... There's Walker, huh? Okay, I got half a mind to start speaking hound dog, but I'm, I'm not. It's <laughs> a cool nickname. That's a great nickname. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, Walter Davis, three great nicknames. Uh, the Greyhound, the Candyman, and the Man with the Velvet Touch. <laughs> yeah, we're going to stay away from Candyman, given his issues. <laughs> I, I didn't even make that connection. That's great. I do like that yeah, velvet. You just go stick with Greyhound. I, I do enjoy yeah, that velvet. Yeah, it's just yeah. a perfect, you know, seventies nickname. Yeah, oh yeah, the Greyhound. You just want to get you talk about speed, you know, with uh, Walter Davis. That makes sense. <laughs> um, youngest of thirteen children. So I guess those family reunions. You want it's uh, you want something to cope with those. That's a lot of kids. Yeah. O- over sixteen years, they had thirteen kids. So. Wow. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they have become. Somewhat close together. Yeah, they right. yeah. yeah. Woo. All right, this looked like a... Oh, okay, it was a foul. Yeah, he yeah. got a pretty good. Oh, no, no. I was, um, sorry, I was really looking at the uh, the goaltending call. But I didn't even realize they also called a foul on the play, but it was yeah. clearly a foul. Oh. Yeah. We're still in... We're still in three to make two, two to make one uh, time in NBA history. That that doesn't go away for another couple years. Well, I think they should bring it back since, you know, games aren't long enough. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, points are in a real deficiency right now. So, yeah, let's... Right, yeah. Oh, oh, that's the one we hadn't talked about yet. John Johnson. Oh, yeah. You Great utility man. Yeah, uh, you know, one of the uh, definitely forerunners of the idea of being a point forward. Uh, I, I think he loved the Sonics and assists uh, this year. Uh, you know, um, I mean, they were really balanced, but, you know, it was him, not either one of the guards who loved the uh, team and assists. So, but yeah, he um, two-time <laughs> all-star with the uh, Cavs early on in his career, also played uh. for the uh, Rockets. Interestingly enough, you know, he was traded from the Rockets – you know, to the Sonics before the 78 season, but he initially was traded to the uh, Celtics. And um, that trade was essentially rescinded because um, 
there were some terms of Johnson's contract that uh, apparently the Celtics uh, weren't aware of or didn't want to meet. You know, it was like extra guaranteed money or whatever. So Larry O'Brien ended up uh, sending Johnson back to the uh, Celtics, and then they worked out a trade or to the um, Rockets, um, and then they ended up working out a trade with the uh, Sonics, and the rest is history. But the, uh, the Celtics could have had uh, John Johnson if they just hadn't been cheapskates. Uh, a decision they would rue for the rest of the decade. <laughs> right, it really cost them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Could have won five titles. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> never, they would never get their hands on a do-it-all forward. It's just... <laughs> John well, Johnson's been, passing hey, would be sorely missed. They, they would have been better in 78 and 79. That's true. Had, uh, <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that point's true. Yeah. Man, they but, just keep hacking the shit out of you. Yeah. Shadow. Well, to be fair, Sick was not even like look attempting to pass. Like that dude is right. the second he's getting it, they're just throwing everybody at him. Which you know, it's it's, yeah. it's working. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You just don't hit him every time, but. Right. He's what? what oh, I was about to ask how many points. Thank you, CBS. Twenty eight points. There yeah. we go. Yeah. You'd have thought Jay <laughs> Sickman died with the game that we won. We picked here. Great game to memorialize Jack Sickman. Uh, the listeners picked this game. so They did. They're, they're, well, they're idiots. We shouldn't have listened to them. So. <laughs> sure should have. Democracy doesn't work, Jason. We know that. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, behind yeah. the back. Oh, nice. Let's nice. go. Oh, yeah. man. And the cameras are shaking. Onyx up 15, yeah. Kingdom is up for grabs. Oh, we do have a commercial here. Okay, there we go. More we got, uh, Yeah, we just had a fast break, three on one behind the back pass, and we need close ups of the coaches. Come we need slow mo coach talk. Yeah, That's come on. Know. Are we kidding? There's supposed to fall. There's, there it is. There nice we one. go. There we go. Cut him loose. Yeah. Well, not cut him loose. Let him loose. Right. Not gonna cut him loose for another year. <laughs> yeah, soon. <laughs> soon, yeah. soon. Right. And we're slowing it down, though. Little four corners, the way basketball's yeah. meant to be played. There we go. <laughs> exactly. Says my <laughs> youth coaches. Right. My really bad gotta, youth gotta, basketball gotta, coaches. Yeah. Control, you know. Slow down the game. Don't want to play it up in the air. Yeah, you don't want up, to jump. We're up 12 yeah. to 4, so we may as well just. Yeah. yeah. That's what you need to do when you're 12 years old is yeah. stall and <laughs> not learn the game at all. That'd be perfect. Yeah. So, uh, also, John Johnson and Fred Brown had been uh, team, teammates at the University of Iowa um, in the uh, early 70s. So, they were reunited um, uh, and on the Sonics. Of course, Fred Brown, you know, playing his entire career for the, um, for the Sonics, uh, was, in, was an all-star once, um, you know, was a starter for most of his career. But then, you know, one of the key things that Lenny Wilkins did when he came in was he saw that uh, Gus Williams and Dennis Johnson were both starter quality and moved Brown to the bench and Brown, you know, accepted the role, you know, as an instant offense, you know, plug off the bench and had a really successful second half of his career doing that. Also important fact, 1979 is when reunited became a number one hit. Ah, it felt really good. Peaches and Herb. Yeah. <laughs> Although Herb was the same, but he got himself a new Peaches. Really? Yeah. Um, so, like, Peaches and Herb started, obviously, as a singing duo, like, sometime in the 60s. I don't I don't even know when. Uh, 
but somewhere along the way, uh, Herb ditched the original Peaches. I didn't know uh, that. Damn. Went on hiatus for a few years, and then like decided to restart Peaches and Herb with the new Peaches in like 1977 or whatever, and then like they had the big comeback hits, Shake and Groove thing, and reunited. Oh, so okay. all those are not even the original. Oh man. Not the original Peaches. So yeah, not the original Peaches. Yeah, no. I never knew that. Well, thank you. Peaches have been well, well known enough that you wouldn't have just you know gone with like. Um, you know somebody else in herb you know did you need to have peaches in herb or could you you know was the name value that strong that you oh, wait, to oh, keep hold name? on a minute is this correct I'm, I'm reading this right now there are seven different peaches see wow herb man blew out. herb what are we doing here <laughs> yeah no, her, herb is up to some shady business <laughs> I, I you know what i've always liked peaches and herb but i don't i mean i still do incredible yeah. songs or herb, herbs, I, I, herbs sure. yeah. great singer i didn't there's seven different peaches so yeah. the third Peaches apparently is yeah. the one that everybody knows. That's Shake Your Groove Thing, Reunited. That's Linda was the third Peaches. Right, the third Peaches. <laughs> but the third, some, wow. That's some, some, there's seven of them. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, Come on. Yeah, I do, I do watch Herb hit like the oldie circuit. He was like rotating Peaches in <laughs> every concert. <laughs> Get a local I mean, did anybody? Server. Would any? I mean, like, not not to be like mean, but yeah. how many people are really like that's not that's that's not the the real peaches. That's an imposter peaches. Like, right. oh yeah, but that's exploitation in the music business for yep. you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Damn. yeah. Three to make two here. You know, now, what are you doing, Brad? Yeah. <laughs> You know yeah, what like, I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna yeah, hack Jack Sigma. Jack Sigma's like, got like, thirty points. Him on his forearm. Yeah, he's got thirty points. He's made every free throw. <laughs> Let's just fucking hack him. Get his ass out of the game. Yeah. Little brats. Yeah, good. Good thing we hacked Jack Sigma. Yeah. 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 Hey, you know what? A Sigma would eventually lead the NBA in free throw percentage. Yeah. Right. I think. I think. I think he's the only center to ever do that. Yeah, I think it is him, and then like the next tallest dude was Dolph Shays. Uh, so, yeah, Jack, Jack Sikma, just that—that's a guy who gets unappreciated. For I his. love, yeah. I, I um, about a year ago, yeah. I went and looked at all of his old, stuff, and I was like, dude, that guy was so good. <laughs> Nobody right. gives it like he is so good. You look at his numbers. Yeah, and it's not, it's not just the stats. I mean, obviously the stats yeah, go yeah. into it. But it's like the way he played, like how he. Um, basically like reinvented himself so like um i mean he's he's always a good free throw shooter but they became like just a freaking excellent one like i said where he shot over 90 percent uh one year yeah. and then also the, the three the three pointers the last few years of his career yeah he and uh westfall of course you know made the hall of fame the same year you know, both long overlooked uh you know oh, becoming right. yeah. uh yeah 2019 hall of famers yes the, that... the famous curtis was completely high on on basketball uh, <laughs> That's right. Over the moon because Sigma, Westfall, Sidney Moncrief, Bobby yeah. Jones. Yeah, I was gonna say we we have early episodes of this show where we're all screaming about all yeah. three of those men and, and and many more, and they all yeah for some reason in 2019 they're like all right fine here let them all in. Wait a <laughs> Shut up here. They're Shut all the in. hell up, Curtis Harris. <laughs> yeah, right. dancing, you know, then we'll uh, you know we'll be okay. Oh, we're on a Truck Robinson streak too. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can hack. It appears that you can hack Truck Robinson. Oh, you can. You can very much hack <laughs> get away with that for the rest of the game. Yeah. Like. 
You know, it's interesting how many of the key players in this game, you know, kind of started in deep res- reserve roles for their first you know, two or three years of their career. I mean, um, mm-hmm. Westfall, obviously, Truck Robinson, you know, um, Gus Williams was yeah, on yeah, the Warriors for a couple of years. You know, um, a lot of these guys, it took a while for them to really, you know, become um, stars and all-stars. Um and, and you know, and moved in different contexts to um, do that. Don Don Busey to a degree as well. So, but yeah, Truck Robinson. Um, you know, he had just been you know just a year before this. He was All NBA first team on the uh, Jazz. He uh, was became the first non center to lead the league in uh, rebounding with almost 16 rebounds uh, per game, and then was traded the next year uh, from the Jazz to the uh, the Suns. You know, mid season '79. So. Um, and it was a big, big talent upgrade. I mean, they really did, um, you know, they, they gave it, uh, they gave it a good shot to uh, win the title, or at least make the finals, and came off of close. You know, since you missed that trade, I gotta look and see what what dumbassery the Jazz pulled off on that. <laughs> you know, they never could make a good trade. No, no. yeah, they did not get. Uh, yeah, I'm unclear as to why they made that trade. I mean, the, the, I mean. May have just been financial. It would not surprise me if it, uh, if it were, um, well, because yeah, I, it did not get much of value back. Yeah, I bet you it was financial, but also I know Truck uh, had expressed some displeasure um, with the fact that Pete Maravich got so much attention uh, and so many shots too. Right. Although by then, I, I think Maravich was kind of on the outs with the Jazz management, so um, and wasn't really drawing much interest in in the Jazz. So you you would. Um, I mean, I, obviously, you, you know, their NBA teams are usually going to go with the white guy uh, in these kind of disputes. But, um, yeah, it was Marty Burns, Ron Lee, and two first-round draft picks. Well, okay. shit, at least they learned a lesson and traded for first-round picks. Yeah, which I'm sure they then subsequently traded for something terrible. So <laughs> I, I couldn't believe this nonsense. Like, just like look at the trades. This is awful, man. Like, they gave up, I think. Uh, at least two uh, first round pick, maybe even four, for Pete Maravich. It was just it's awful. Yeah, like the Hawks were just like, really, you gonna give us four first round picks for this dude? No, nope. yeah. okay, um, <laughs> he's yours. Have fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. I, I totally get it. Why I, I I have some understanding of that because at least of the idea of like, okay, he's gonna be the the big drawing card for us here. He makes sense locally. I, I at least understand the logic, even if it's like way too much, but. Yeah, obviously okay. the uh, the um yeah, Goodrich one was the one that was just it was really dumb, especially with Goodrich at that point of his career. Yeah, that was completely indefensible. However, I like just I'm I'm like gleeful at how absurd and stupid this trade was. Um, it's one, two, three, four, five draft picks they gave up to the Hawks, plus two players, all for Pete Maravich. Like, so he, even if the theory made some sense, what they did to implement it was just absurd. Right. And um, he, he went to a team that had no more talent and they couldn't get anybody. Yeah, like they had nothing. Yeah, because they, they traded gave later 74 like, hey. and 75 first round picks, then two second rounders after that, and then a third round pick. Uh, and look who the players were. I was going to say, I, I know I know two of the names. Oh, I David actually know three Trumpen of the names. And Alex yeah. English. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Also, Bill Willoughby too. That's that's the one I, I remember yeah. as well. Because I mean, obviously, that didn't work out quite as well. But yeah, that's a, another 
Just kind yeah. of fun fact. But yeah, they got David Thompson and Alex English. For... It's like he gave up. Like, <laughs> to, you know. Who could have foreseen that you're an expansion team and then the, the first first round pick you give up turns out to be like number one overall pick? Now, granted, the Hawks didn't get David Thompson because he went to the ABA, but it's like. It's like just terrible management. That's, there's a reason why they failed in New Orleans. Ugh. So the. Uh, we're. Suns are down by four. They just fouled. Uh, yeah, they're sure making they a hell of a comeback here. Um, yeah. Quietly. Yeah. yeah. Trying to trap. Yeah. Trying to trap. Yeah. That's yeah. A... <laughs> that's a successful trap. They got yeah. them until they hit them on the head. Yeah. Oh, also, another thing to love about the 70s, also going into the 80s, dudes playing with chains. Yep. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We really need to have, like, a gold chains, like, throwback night in the NBA. You know, let everybody wear gold chains. Yeah, they can be breakable. They can, like, you know, easily, you know, pop off if someone gets their your finger caught in it. But, yeah, just we, we need to see them again. Yeah. I mean, it'd be better than all this drip they'd be doing before the game. <laughs> Not trying to sound like an old man, just get on my damn nerves. Like, <laughs> even all the drip. It's like, God damn it, we're in a pandemic. Who gives a shit what these guys are wearing to the arena? Like, ain't nobody there to see them. Literally, yeah, I, 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 I find that fascinating. Like, I would just wear a hoodie. I'd be like, who cares? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, Don. Uh, uh, oh. Can't win them all. Yeah, nope. never said Boosie was a great shooter. <laughs> no. Great assist to turnover ratio, though. Yeah. <clears throat> Ooh. Oh, oh, my oh, God. Oh, go. it's not working. Jump ball. That's jump a cop. How was it a jump ball? <laughs> is that, that was just the default for we don't know what the hell the call is. So yeah. <laughs> jump ball while no, no person is ever possessing it. I see one dude whose foot is on out of bounds. <laughs> right. So like that should be Phoenix ball. Well, yeah, I was gonna say I don't think uh, I don't think our van was winning that one. Yeah, like even if both guys had their hands on the ball, one of them's got a foot out of bounds. So. Ooh, I don't know, DJ. Oh, yeah, good. good Jack Sigma to clean up his mess. Yeah, we really got to put it into fan voting. They picked this game to honor Paul Westfall. <laughs> I mean, I've enjoyed it, but yeah. <laughs> Maybe not yeah. the... Oh, I mean, I've enjoyed it too, but like, we've not exactly seen the best of Westfall here. Yeah. And look, there... look, he just got... Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, there's Paul Westfall getting his shit kicked in. All right, well... Yeah. Sorry. Man. Hey... Decisive uh, play in, in Paul Westfall's career. I mean, you know, if the uh, if that turns out differently, the I don't think it was so, going to ever turn out differently than the way it did. He was three on right, one, basically. Yeah, well, yeah. might have got might have drawn a foul. Is it calling a timeout? Yeah, John McLeod's not happy. No, but John McLeod like right. Alvin Adams had a pretty quiet game. Yeah. I'm probably going to spoil it and look at the box score. I have no idea how many points anybody got. Yeah. Okay, somehow Paul Westfall had 25 points and 9 assists in this game. Which Yeah, they somehow edited every one of his shots. Unless, I don't know, maybe in the next 43 seconds he puts up like... Yeah, 
and he had three blocks. Yeah. Which is amazing for him. Like he never That's, blocked. Yeah, a shot. he never really yeah. jumped over. You know, he couldn't jump over a phone book. Yeah. But truck had a sixteen and fourteen. Um, Alvin Adams fifteen points, uh, five rebounds, three assists. Oh, there's the trainer. You can see him there. In his, oh yeah. In his purple jumpsuit. Yeah. He's a little more fit than I expected in the because oh those are like frayed. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, they're like frayed bell bottoms. Yeah. Nuke the sun. <laughs> Nuke the suns. The irony, irony is, of course, that the sun is a giant nuclear reaction going on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Constantly exploding and imploding atoms. <laughs> the NBA World Championship Series. Who can... <laughs> what? Happy. Was it... Wasn't it always yeah. the finals? Wasn't it always the finals? Like I... when did they start calling it the finals? It, like I, my, I know by like '84, these they certainly are. Um, I forget if they, you know, when they really started branding it as the finals officially. Yeah, that, yeah, that was definitely a thing though. Going back, because like obviously, besides football, like all the other team sports try to uh, pattern themselves after baseball. It's like it's the sure. uh, Insert equivalent of whatever the hell baseball calls it. So they're like, yeah, it's the World Series of Basketball. Like yeah. they called it that in the NBA reels back in the 50s. It's just like, right. okay, guys, you got to do a better job branding your sport. Yeah. Okay, here, are we going to get some Suns action? Yeah, Dennis uh, with a foul. Dennis, uh, again, uh, not coming through in the clutch. No, oh, of course not. He shot eight for twenty-one this game. Yeah. Oh, also, uh, the series I've been doing on the, these uh, lower-seeded teams coming close to upsetting, which is like, great. Number by the one way. and number two. Do, seeds. do a full plug for that because that, that's a fantastic series. So. Yeah. Uh, this the Boston Celtics showed up twice in the mid-eighties. Dennis Johnson was real dookie in both of those series. <laughs> It was, it was quite shocking. Yeah. I was like, no wonder the Celtics barely survived the Washington Bullets. Freaking Frankie Johnson now played Dennis Johnson. It was awful. How can people get those uh, emails, by the way? Oh, oh wait. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be selling stuff. Uh, it, it's a, it's a Substack newsletter, although I really don't even want to think of it as a newsletter. I just write it as I do my normal stuff. Uh, except I want money for it now. So if you just go to uh, ah, hell, just go to my Twitter. Uh, at Pro Hoops History, I got a link to it in my bio, so you can click that in. Uh, the articles are free for anyone to read, but if you got spare money, it's appreciated if you contribute, so. It's a good series, though, I think. I came up with the idea like back in August. I was like, Everybody talks about, like, you know, the, the upsets. But what about all these times that teams nearly or almost upset mm-hmm. these, like, juggernauts? And it's led to some really hilarious articles. Like I said, like the Celtics and the Bullets in 84. And then the even better one was the Cavaliers in 85 against the Celtics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's prohoopshistory.substack.com, by the way. Or you can just look up Pro Hoops History Newsletter. It comes up on, on Google pretty quickly. So. Yeah. Yeah, this um, uh, those have been fun just to get those kind of one-off, like interesting teams that you don't really 
you know, that you don't really think much about unless you just happen to be, you know, glancing past as a reference and noticing like, hey, that series was closer than usual. But yeah, I, you know, I had not spent a whole lot of time thinking about the 84 Washington Bullets before, um, you know, reading that article. But it's nice to just get some, you know, just some random ass teams uh, sometimes that uh, did some fun stuff. Yeah, or I like the time that the L.A. Clippers nearly upset in back-to-back years. The uh, the Jazz, who I think won 55 games, and then the Rockets, who won, I think maybe also, yeah, I think they also won 55 games. So, like, 1992, Clippers almost upset the Jazz. 1993, Clippers almost upset the Rockets. And it took Akeem Olajuwon averaging, like, 28 points, 15 rebounds, and seven blocks a game to beat the Clippers. So, Phoenix is down by eight. Then we watch Davis comes and uh, it's the. No, you've already watched this. You know what's going to happen. Uh oh. I think the Suns are going to do it. They're going to do it. Timeout. Falling a timeout. We got it. We're still time. Yeah. Oh, we're going to do it. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I love the shove that just fucking. Was that DJ that just got. like? He's like, come on, man. You didn't see that? Here we go. Is that West Paul? Yeah. Yep. I'll see. It was all. Oh. It was all worth it. Jason was just, he was sandbagging yeah. the whole game, waiting for yeah. it. It's an incredible moment. Like, I got this. We're down eight points with no three-point line. <laughs> what was Sigma doing, man? Why did he throw that ball in, like, as quick as possible? Like, dude, you got a few yeah. seconds, man, though. But that's why I, I love that era about this era of basketball, which is like, you – if the ball was in your hands and you were going to put up a shot, you had to pass it within five seconds or else like, you know what I mean? It was like no dribble, no look, survey the floor, just run, pass, shoot immediately. I love it because it leads to things like this. The good and the bad. And a camera switch. Camera that we can't, we can't, well, just please switch the camera. We don't have to see the guy get his shot. Like, like you have other cameras, I thought, but apparently they don't. So there we go. We got it. Let's just zoom in right on the coach. Yeah, yeah, nice, a, uh, no nice t- collar there with the assistant coach. Yeah, that's not any assistant coach. That's, uh, Al Bianchi, right? Yes, that's right. That's oh, Al Bianchi, that. oh, who also passed away uh, recently. Right. I think it was, I think last fall, like so, like fall 2019. Right. Did he coach the Virginia Squires? If I yes, he did. Um, and GM too, I think. Yep, coach and GM. I think able to he... sign Dr. J. Yeah, exactly. Again, I have to know all this because you know anything Dr. J related, you have to go into the Sixers, and of course Bianchi played for the Sixers too forever. Yeah. And let me tell you, that dude, his face looked like a pumpkin or a shape like it. it was... Just like whenever he smiled, looks just like a pumpkin. And I mean that in a very endearing way to Albiaki. So now there's, of course, the question whether you try to miss it or try to make go. it. And obviously, uh, <laughs> well, we see what I he's think we know the intention. It's <laughs> you to make one in the situation. So. And there, and of course the Sigma that gets fouled. Nice, yeah. So now, did you? Ha- was this you had to hit the rim as well? 
type stuff, or did, did, was that intentional? Because I, I, I want because on the first one he didn't hit the rim at all, but I, I guess it probably didn't matter. Yeah, the, the first one didn't matter because he had to shoot the second one. You're right, right, uh, okay. But yeah. the second one had to hit so, the rim. Right, yeah. The, the first one didn't matter if it hit the rim, but the second yeah, yeah. one obviously okay. had to hit the rim. Yeah, it just yeah it took kind of a. See, I don't, man, I don't know that it's a tough call because. I mean, who's boxing Sigma out, you know, for Phoenix? Like, I understand this is probably what they had to do for the strategy, but, I mean, you're not going to well, get that. Well, the trouble right? is, I mean, like, if you make it, there's two seconds left and you foul them. Right. Right. Oops. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Barry, uh, Barry hated the decision, so I'm, I'm implying <laughs> Oh, well, it. God. So <laughs> I, I agree with Rick Barry, yeah. of course. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Great. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. I have to go to bed at night knowing that, that me and Rick Barry are on a similar wavelength. Right. Perfect. Yeah, your best shot's probably, you know, going for and get, trying to get tipped in or something, but yeah. Oh. Uh, well, that's it. Well, who's the Chevrolet player of the game? They only had it up for four seconds. I mean, I'm just assuming it's Sigma, right? Yeah, I, probably Paul Silas. <laughs> Paul Silas yeah. for, for whooping Garherd's ass. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Seattle's going to do it, so I don't know about you guys. but yeah. We'll see. I don't know Whoa. those bullets. I, I, I think it's Look like a stray for... Doobie Brother walking <laughs> in. Yeah. Yeah. We got, uh, um, oh, uh, who was it? Dennis Autry uh, walked by. So Dennis yeah, Autry's I can't here. mistake that perm. Yeah. Former Phoenix son, Dennis Autry. Yeah. Yeah. Turncoat. There we go. Drive the stake in again. Let's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rest in peace, Paul Westfall. Hey, go with DJ there uh, for the. Uh, oh, Gus. The... Oh, Gus is the Chevy most valuable player. Let's Gus. go. He had 29 points and he had that block there. So What a terrible graphic. <laughs> the points of the yeah. third one. <laughs> yeah. You get a better look at uh, at Rick's tie. Than That's I, okay. Uh... I mean, the man has got terrible opinions, but fantastic ties. So That, that is yeah. a great suit. Um, yeah. Right. And it's got to love Rick Barry's ability to. Every year, get eliminated in the playoffs, and they just go. Right <laughs> so he's got time to do this. <laughs> make some double hey, checks. Up? Make some double checks through the year. Uh, yeah. right. Say, Rick, Rick, are you going to work on your game this off season? No, I think I'm going to do some more broadcasting. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of 75, he uh, pretty much did that consistently. So, is Brent Musburger like 22 here? What the? <laughs> I love how. Uh... I love how Hot Rod and uh, Wilkins, there's just kind of match, you know? <laughs> Maybe they're hitting the town afterward, you know? Oh, man. Everybody love Hot Rod. How could you yeah. not? I do like how Lenny throughout, like, the next 40 years of his life aged, like, I don't know, like, five years maybe. Like, he got a little gray, obviously. Towards the end, but yeah, like, kinda... literally, yeah, the only difference is the hair. Yeah, he looks like, he's, really he's got a little the less same. of it and is gray, but... Yeah, he coaches of the you know the early two thousand. He looked almost the same. Like he really did not look that different. So yeah, good for him. Yeah. Also, Lenny has a very prominent role in my dissertation. Does he? Oh, awesome. Yeah, because they 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 ran him out of Atlanta. In fact, he never really got to Atlanta. Um, when the Hawks moved from St. Louis down there, uh, they. Apparently, best as I can tell, they just didn't want to pay him the, the higher salary that he wanted because he finished second in MVP voting. And so they're like, oh, we don't want to give him a pay raise. So let's make him look like a malcontent and then we can get rid of him. <laughs> and that's how he got traded to Seattle. So, yeah. And, of course, the Hawks had a, uh, a history of that with, uh, you know, Zemo Beatty, obviously, and um, Joe Caldwell. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, and then, of course, also, you know, getting Pete Maravich to, nice. to save today. Yeah, that worked out. Hey, they got a they got a good they got a good haul from him in the trade. So sure as hell did. And of course, of course, you know, able to get uh, David Thompson, you know, with the draft pick and all that good stuff. Locked in David Thompson. Oh wait, I actually have a great article about that. That was one of the first ones I wrote for the newsletter. Uh, it was how the Hawks drafted David Thompson, but they couldn't get him. Uh, and also they drafted Marvin Webster that same draft and also locked him to the ABA. So it was quite the disastrous 1975 draft for the Hawks. Uh, they had the number one and number three overall picks. <laughs> they both lost bounced, both yeah. of them to the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> so kind of set the franchise back a few years, but yeah. I will. Yeah, they're good now. <laughs> <laughs> they had the Kevin Batumbo. They're going to be. Yeah. It'll be good. Yeah, Jason Terry. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. They got Trey Young. I like Trey Young. They're fun now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I just got to see Trey try on defense every game. I don't yeah. even expect him to be good. It's like, at least give it to him. Yeah, at least like look like yeah. you kind of care <laughs> for a brief second. Right. Yeah. Well, that's final score. 114 Seattle, 110 Phoenix. Yeah. So, of course, Sonics uh, end up, as we've said, win, winning the championship in uh, five games in the rematch against the uh, Bullets. And, uh, yeah, the Suns would, um, yeah, like, they'd remain pretty much like 50 to 55 win team over the next few seasons. And the next season would be the last one they'd have with Westfall. And then they'd make the trade and would you know, still be stout, but would, you know, they fell to the Lakers um, the next couple of years and uh, felt were upset by the Kings in 81 lost to Denver, I think in 83. So, um, you know, kind of uh, one of those, a lot of, a lot of those eighties teams in the, uh, that face the Lakers just weren't quite good enough. I, I think you're going to be writing uh, something uh, on that eventually on uh, the Lakers uh, opponents in the eighties, perhaps uh, disparaging the Laker legacy. Yeah, and we use eventually very loosely because I've been meaning to do this for like five years now. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> since I first realized, like, wait a minute. It's like half the time the Lakers got to the NBA Finals, they played some rinky-dink team in the conference finals. So, um, whereas, you know, in the East, they're, you know, bludgeoning each other. Uh, the the Royal Rumble between the Celtics, Bucks, and uh, Sixers in the early 80s, and then by the late 80s, it was the – Celtics, Pistons, and uh, eh, I guess you can throw the Hawks in there. They were sometimes getting up to that level. Uh, yeah, it was much more difficult uh, than the West. We'll, we'll definitely say that. Yeah, really be smirching Dale Ellis, but all right. That's fine. That's good. Supersonic man. superstar Dale Ellis. Come on. Now. I swear to God. What they, I swear, I swear that they team is like real bad. That year they made the conference finals. Yeah, no. 80, so if you, I, I was, I'm looking at this 87 roster right now because I couldn't I couldn't believe it either. Uh, leading scorer ah, Dale Ellis. Win. Even worse than I thought. <laughs> yeah, they're so bad. So their, their leading scorer is Dale Ellis. Their second leading scorer is Tom Chambers. Their third leading scorer is 23-year-old Xavier McDaniel, who, like, I like I like the X-Men, but, like, man, I don't really think that they're, like, knocking down the door at the NBA Finals with, you know, X as their, yeah, their third-best player when he's 22 years old. So, All right, so no, who's the best? That far. They were lucky that, well, man, I shouldn't say lucky. It was bound to happen. But, like, Ralph Sampson was playing like crap because he got hurt. That's the only reason why they beat the Rockets. Bunch of... Okay, you might be able to guess my Rockets homerism was coming out. <laughs> a little bit, um, but that's all right. Yeah. 
So who's the best team that the Lakers beat in the uh, conference finals during that run? Like, that's a really good question, I think. They beat the Sonics hmm. in, in 80. Um, 82 and 83, they beat the Spurs. 84, they beat the Suns, who were like a 41-win team. Yeah, they're 85, definitely. 85, they beat the Nuggets. No, uh, they aren't. Uh, 87, they beat the – they swept the Sonics – they talked about um 88 they beat the Mavs the Mavs actually were that's probably it that'd probably be my pick that was a pretty good team um and then 89 they beat the Suns uh that was a I forgot that was a seven game series um oh no I'm sorry no that that was uh 4-0 they that was a sweep um yeah that's where they swept all and then got swept in the finals right that's right yeah, yeah. yeah so and then 91 they beat the Blazers so yeah those Blazers were choke artists that year um, <laughs> yeah they were i was i was gonna say probably that team but i think my pick's probably the 88 uh mavs i'd say with, with, with Gemma cloud as the coach interestingly enough but uh i'm thinking those are some dog-ass teams yeah, curtis you're absolutely i, I never really I quite, told you i never like, quite like looked really at it but good, man those are some dog-ass teams like yeah it's I all mean, your rockets all... fault like why are your rockets not there every single year what are they doing yeah you know you know what happened Hakeem, Don't make me the choke artist yeah <laughs> I'll need this crap from you. Um, <laughs> so, all right. So, I will say probably the best team the Lakers beat was actually the 1980 Sonics. Yeah, um, they beat yeah. them in five games, but the the series. I mean, each game was fairly close, uh, except one of them. So, uh, but yeah, then probably like the '88 Mavericks and then the um, '83 Spurs. Then like the rest of them. Yeah, '85 Nuggets were were okay, but um... yeah, they, yeah, like. They were kind of a surprise team too. I, yeah. But see, they got I mean, they the, the bigger thing was that the Lakers got so lucky because, like, every time a team came up that was actually you know kind of worthy of being a challenger, shit happened to them. So like, uh, like the Bucks got moved to the Western or to the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. once they got like really great. Um, the Sonics blew up because you know Dennis Johnson uh, and Gus Williams had their problems. Um, the Rockets had drugs. Uh, let's see, the Mavericks when they got to their seven game series, they next year they trade Mark McGuire, but like they they fall down the stairwell. Um, the Spurs in '83, like they were at the very end of their ability to contend. They had like old ass artist Gilmore. Um, yeah, Jazz weren't quite ready, I, I would say. Like, yeah, they, they started getting good with '87, '88 or so, but yeah, they weren't quite there yet. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like every time there's like, all right, maybe this would be the team to get the Lakers some trouble, like some bad shit happens to them, so. This, which is not their fault. I'm not blaming the Lakers. I'm just saying they had an easier road than we than we like to think. Uh, they still clearly would have won a lot of championships, but. Well, I think there's also like, you know, today's modern NBA fan, like, you, you know, people that maybe just, like, were you still, like, my entire life, the Western Conference, for the most part, other than like, you know, my early, early life, like. The last 20 years, the Western Conference has been dominant and great or whatever. So I think people always just think that was the case. And it's like, no, it definitely was not the case for yeah, many, no, many, 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 many years. Yeah. Definitely better. <laughs> yeah. Like, but I think, yeah, your, your, your fans that came up in the, in the, you know, the 2000s or whatever, just know nothing except for just everybody wants to go West and the, all the West teams are good and all the East teams are crap type stuff. Yeah. So do we think so. the Bulls, the Bulls lucked out to a degree, you know, being in the East um, in the nineties? Because I feel like the tougher teams were in the West for the most part. That, yeah, that's true. The 90s was definitely, I think the conferences were, 
more on par, but I think the uh, the we've, West was was a little bit stronger than the East. Uh, we've lost all of our New York listeners now. Thanks a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, yeah. but I, I you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Have kind of same benefit. You're not wrong. The Bulls had the same benefit the Lakers did. It's like the Bulls never had a consistent challenger except for the Knicks, but the Knicks were always kind of going through turnover. Yeah, Pacers were always like there, but they were just like plucky. They're you know they're until until like '98, it wasn't like there was no legit chance of the Pacers ever actually doing it. So right. Yeah. Then, against the Bulls. Yeah, like right, right. In ninety four and ninety five the Pacers go to game sevens, but it's against the uh, Knicks and Magic, so right. well if you know the Cleveland Cavaliers could have <laughs> they were there. I guess they always faced the Cavaliers. It's just, you know um, as you said, not a consistently good team to challenge them. So Well say this about Paul Westfall. Um he got the the Suns to the finals his first year there. And I have to admit that as a lifelong fan of Hakeem Olajuwon, um, that particularly, I think it was 95, the Rockets got a little bit lucky uh, beating the Suns. Right. I think I think that was the year Danny Manning was hurt. And so Phoenix was not at full strength, and the Rockets were able to take advantage of it uh, and be able to slip by the Suns in, in seven games. But on the other hand, when you bet your money on Danny Manning, who has bad knees, that might happen to you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, good stuff. I um, yeah, this, this is a fun game to watch. Yeah, I probably in in retrospect not the uh, necessarily the great uh, showcase of uh, Westfall's career, but uh, you know he was a great player. You know, um, great long time uh, life in basketball, and uh, certainly will be missed. Um, Appreciate uh, you, Curtis, uh, joining again. Unfortunately, Rainus wasn't available to uh, watch it with us, but I think we held on the fort uh, pretty well. This was a, a good time as usual. Yeah, really good to use his knowledge on on that Bratz fella. But... Yeah. <laughs> Mike Bratz. Yeah, well, he was a little Mike Bratz, so I don't know. Right. Rainus yeah, is like, yeah, six, 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 six and above is, is Rainus' uh, wheelhouse. You're right. Think. He could have given some deep hits on, uh, on Kramer. Yeah, he, he would have known Kramer for sure. He'd be like, "Well, Kramer, yeah, I watched. You know, there's a game where I he probably interviewed him at some point for sure, right? Right. Highlights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's made a highlight video and he's interviewed whatever whatever his name Kramer is for sure. Yes. Joel Kramer. Joel Kramer. Yeah. Joel Kramer. Oh yeah, I interviewed him three years ago. He's a good guy. Like, <laughs> like who the hell is this dude? Yeah, I know exactly. Who he is. <laughs> right. Oh man. Wow, he was only six seven. I'm looking at him now. Yeah, I thought he was six, bigger. Six seven and two hundred pounds. And yeah, that man should not have been center. in the NBA at that point. Yeah. Like the NBA had passed him by twenty seven years ago. So, gee, well, hey, he played five years in the league. So yeah, more than me, more than me. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, the other guy um, we didn't talk about, but Alvin Scott, he played. Uh, eight years with the his entire career with the Suns, um averaged five points per game and three rebounds per game and 17.3 minutes per game like he was it's weird or at least unusual for a guy to stay that long with the same team and only really ever being in that role like never like you know being a starter or at least you know like a you know heavy rotation player he was always a deep bench player so I found that interesting. I do also like that Joel Kramer clearly yes. edit, edited his own Wikipedia uh, because uh, the the final line of his his intro paragraph says currently Kramer is the managing director of business valuation and litigation services for CBIZ, a national accounting and financial services firm. 
which I mean, that's like his his daughter was like, Dad, like I'm gonna fill out your your Wikipedia for you. So, uh, in case you guys are wondering what Joel Kramer is doing today, he is the managing director of business valuation and litigation services for CBIZ. So, all right. Well, I'm gonna play a game here because uh, there's a dude on Phoenix's roster. I have no idea who he is. His name is Bayard Forrest. <laughs> he was born in San Jose, California. Went to high school in Oregon. And then went to college at Grand Canyon University. And he was six foot ten. So I think this is someone that Rennis would know lots about. Yeah, Bayard Forest. Yeah, I don't know anything about Bayard Forest. I'm Googling him. A picture has come up. Yes, Rennis would know lots about him. <laughs> this looks like, yeah, I see him now. <laughs> yeah, this looks like a Rennis guy for sure. All right. Well, I have to put that on the list to, uh, discussion topic next time we Bayard uh, Bayard Forest. Bayard Forest. Yeah. Bayard Forest feels like a fifties name. Like I feel like Bayard Forest, you know, is like a guy who would, would have played in the uh is like a name of a guy who would have played in the fifties. So yeah. Played for the Suns and the uh, uh apparently was drafted in seventy five by the Suns and then drafted in seventy six by the uh, Sonics, although only played for the Suns. So interestingly oh. enough. Nice uh all right. Sorry, there's one more dude I got to do too. It's another one I ain't heard of. This would be my last one because I ain't heard right. of him. I've never heard of Marty Burns. Not Monty Burns, but Marty. Burns. <laughs> he sounds like he yeah. sucks. Yeah, I don't know who, I don't right. know who that is either. Um, six foot seven, so he meets the height okay. uh, qualification. From Syracuse and went to Syracuse University. So Ooh, yeah. uh, I'm thinking he might be a Rennes player. I'm going to do the Google search again. A local guy, yeah. Oh yeah! <laughs> Wait till you see this guy's picture. Boom! This is definitely, and I think it looks like he played in Europe too. Yeah, it looks like dollar store Phil Jackson. It's pretty nice. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Repeat the name. Marty uh, Marty Burns, but it's spelled B Y R N. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, Rennis. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he definitely knows something about Marty Burns and Bayard Forrest. Yeah. Rennis has a type. These guys are his type. Yeah. Hey. Uh, we, 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 thank God. He's, he's an invaluable resource for those those guys. Yeah. Mar- Marty Burns is a uh, 1980 uh, NBA champion. Uh, he is? Yes. He was on the Lakers in 1990. Oh, yeah. <laughs> key, key, yeah. Key piece of that Lakers title team, I'm sure. Shoots, I apologize. Uh, NBA yeah. champion Marty Burns. I yeah. Need to show more respect. There he is. I see him on the picture. I see him in the team picture. There's, uh, I don't know, Irvin Johnson. There's Kareem and there's Marty Burns. So there's... Yeah. Irvin John. That rings a bell. Yeah. The key piece of the, the key cog is number seven there, Marty Burns. So. Yeah. yeah. It rings a bell. Hey, Marty Burns played one minute in the uh, in game six of the 1980 uh, finals. So. There we go. Lakers yeah. lost Kareem, but it's all right. They got Marty Burns. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that minute turned the whole game around, I, I'd imagine. Yeah. Sure. All right. All, right. All, right. All right, I should stop making fun of Marty Burns. He's probably a very nice man, and probably, it's... probably he's listening right now and is very sad that we're uh, mocking. Uh, yeah, his that'd, be, that'd be ups- that'd be upsetting. Yeah. That would be very upsetting. So, all right, we apologize, Marty. 
Oh, he had COVID. Um, oh, good Lord. I'm looking at a headline. Former Syracuse basketball star Marty Burns recovering after a long battle with COVID. Great. So he sits down, oh. just wants to watch a Paul Westfall game. <laughs> it's a yeah. bad Paul Westfall game, and then we rag on, on Marty Burns for the last 10 minutes of the well, show. Well, shit, I mean, you're the one that went too deep. I, I, I know. I really should. Well, I, did, I wanted to make sure he wasn't like, because we were like, oh, he's probably a good guy. And like, we always have, you always have to like, just make sure, you know, that like, yeah. you know being evil yeah yeah exactly like he's you know a child molester or something and he's not he's just you know. i mean i just saw the picture of him with the long hair and the mustache and i assumed he was a nice man you had yeah. to go well if you want to if you want to show your support for him uh they have his address he's uh he's at a hospital in milwaukee if you'd like to i might just drive and i might just drive over there and see if i can drop something off for him ah shit As we'll see now that now really apologies <laughs> so. all right i hope he's doing better because uh that yeah. covid ain't nothing to play with no, y'all, y'all need not. to act accordingly. Don't be, don't be a fool with this. Right. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Well, it's it's a tradition for one of us to say something uh, awful uh, during uh, this uh, these live shows. So yeah, we'll continue Who to. Who said uh, something awful? Though? Yeah. So. Seems like it's usually me when I when I'm that, at yeah. least whenever I'm here. Um, yeah, Curtis starts to work blue at the last ten minutes of the show. He just starts firing off, like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it it was me last time. I forget what it was, but I, it was me last time. It was raining this time before that. So we, we all get our turn. Oh no, I said some bad things about AC Green. Oh, it's true. That, oh, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. But he deserved them. I mean, you weren't wrong. Right. Yeah, yeah, you weren't. Really, you weren't. Yeah, really. yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks uh, again for doing this. Thanks everyone for uh, checking us out. You can, of course, uh, find us um, online. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Over and Back. NBA um, at either place. Uh, you can also uh, find uh, us. We are part of the uh, step back at fansider.com. And uh, you can find us on um, Apple Podcasts or Stitchers, wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you'd leave us a, a rating and a review. Also, you can find all of our episodes uh, on our YouTube channel. So it'd be great if you uh, subscribe there. If you want to watch along with us uh, while we're doing the live shows, that's a great place to go. We've got a lot of the uh, previous live episodes there if you want to relive memories. So but hear us say uh, terrible things about the other uh, players who don't deserve it. So. <laughs> Thanks, uh, everyone, for uh, checking this out. We'll be back again soon.